Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an award-winning STEM communicator, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant and coach. Now my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. This is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Now I know being an entrepreneur can be both lonely and overwhelming. At UK Educators Community, we've created a community of like-minded, like-valued individuals all supporting each other. From the Champions Club accountability groups to business retreats in Marrakesh, you'll find industry-specific support to help you propel your business forward. So why don't you join us? Join our Facebook group, UK Educators, or find some great resources on the website at ukeducators.com. We look forward to welcoming you to our community. Today, I've got with me the amazing Chloe Maraid <laughs> Donnelly. Um, she is a very young tutor. She is currently at uni and will be graduating, I believe, this year. Is that right? Mm-hmm, the next academic year coming. Brilliant. And she's also been tutoring for the past year, especially over the pandemic year. And Chloe is going to be talking about her day to day routine as an educator. And if you're looking at becoming a tutor and you're at uni or you've just graduated, this is going to be the perfect podcast for you as it'll give you an insight into what a life could be like as a tutor and a student as well. So, welcome, Chloe. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you? So, I'm Chloe. I'm 22 and on the 18th of February 2020 I set up my absolute dream business which is teaching languages to kids and adults around the world. When I was in high school I had my ADHD and the only subject that actually held my interest was languages so I wanted to take that passion that I have for languages and share it with people all around the globe. Well, I started it just before the lockdown on the 18th of February and then everything closed. (laughs) And we weren't allowed to leave our homes and I lost my first three students. So I spent the first few days kind of feeling sorry for myself. And then I was thinking I can either let this beat me and just give up on my dream or we can do something about it. So I put up the post on the Facebook offering £5 lessons to primary school kids (laughs) affected by the school closures just to kind of give them that little bit of a distraction that little bit of fun in their day learning something new and before I knew it I was international but in a week wow so it was yeah I know it was I had students in Pakistan in Denmark in America it grew massively before I had time to realize what was going on so that's kind of how CMD tutoring started so did you do group sessions or was it one-to-one it was one-to-one the only time I really did groups was if it was siblings but I tried to do one-to-one because The way I look at it is having learning disabilities myself, if students come to me with learning disabilities, I need to create a bespoke session tailored to their specific learning requirements. If I then put them in a group lesson, I can't cater to them. So I try to do one-to-one and treat every single student as an individual. And then it's also less overwhelming for me from a neurodiverse standpoint. But a £5 a session, um, I'm assuming it's less than an hour then. You're doing like half an hour, 20 minute sessions. 
back then it was an hour it was oh, five wow. pound from march to september for one hour and i was teaching about 40 kids a week it exploded i was working from seven o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night on a monday to friday i didn't have a lunch break but the students would want what we called picnic lessons which was they brought snacks I got to have my lunch and we ate while we learned and it was fun. That sounds like a, an ideal way to kind of spend the first couple of weeks of lockdown, right? <laughs> when, you, when you're still <laughs> trying to find your feet, because I did something similar where it wasn't that intense, but I did a, a daily YouTube live session, but it was more to keep me ticking because then I would be editing and doing stuff with it after. And it just kept me going. And I think when lockdown hit, people dealt with it differently. And I think you dealt with it by just packing at your timetable and your schedule. I dealt with it by trying to do something different and editing mm -hmm. and learning how to do that to keep ourselves busy because it was a bit of a shock to the system, right? You can say that again. I mean, I tried to make sure I didn't give myself a spare five minutes. Because if I had that spare five minutes, I would have started overthinking about everything. Because mm. I am a notorious overthinker. Can't think if I don't give myself time to think. <laughs> and it worked out quite well. So how have you found it over the last 12 months? Has the business evolved? Have you raised your prices now? Have you become a little bit more established? Yes. So at the minute, I've got about, I counted this morning, I think it's like 33 students at the minute and that's during the summer holidays the lesson price now is 20 pound per hour but if it is for a group like couples or siblings then it's 10 pound per person i now from next tuesday will be teaching weekly spanish workshops in my hometown i have my own classroom now most of the students i'm getting now are through word of mouth recommendations it's getting to the point where i've been in the local newspaper three times for my tutoring and i got stopped in asda the other day and someone went excuse me you the languages girl <laughs> that's when i realized winsford is a small town yeah i get asked am i the poo lady and you get asked whether you're the languages girl <laughs> um so in terms of the languages that you teach there's quite a few different languages right mm -hmm. so i teach english second language Spanish, French and Italian. I am going to be adding two more in September, but I'm not saying which ones yet. Oh, wow. You're very talented. I can barely Thank speak you. one fluently. Like I struggle with English. I can't spell. <laughs> I struggle <laughs> with pronouncing certain words. There was a word the other day, like someone asked me to proofread, never asked me to proofread. Uh, but because he he's uh, from a foreign country, he goes, oh, yeah, you, you're fluent in English. Can you just proofread this for me? And the word cognizant came up, right? And I looked at the spelling. I was like, that's not a word. The difference was he'd spelt it Americanized. So there was a Z in there, right? And it's meant to have an S. Um, but yeah, do not ask me to read anything or proofread anything because I'm not going to be very good at it. And it's amazing that you can do so many. So what, has that always been a passion? Did you grow up with multiple languages in the household? Or was this something no. that you just picked up really quickly at school? So languages was something I picked up to kind of get out of. It sounds so cliche. Languages saved me. It, it, it's when I was 10 I'm always quite open about this when I was 10 I lost my mum life got pretty difficult nothing was really that enjoyable so year seven we started doing Spanish and the first day we were given these kind of scrapbooks for our exercise books and we got to decorate them with things that we associated with Spain and I just threw myself into it and then it was learning the language and then it was getting a pen pal from Spain and it just gave me that's something to look forward to mm. in perhaps the biggest grieving time of my life. And then my kind of passion for languages, it sounds so silly, but it started watching my brother play Assassin's Creed 2. 
when it was Ezio in Florence. What is that? Is that a game? It's a video game. The video okay. game that made me go to university. So the next time a parent says video games will get you nowhere, it somehow got me a degree. <laughs> in what way? Because it got you interested in Spain? It got me interested in Italy and I was getting annoyed that I couldn't understand any of the Italian bits oh, when they spoke. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to study Italian. French came from Assassin's Creed Unity. I remember one of the proudest moments of my language learning was when I was watching my brother play Assassin's Creed Black Flag and they were speaking Spanish and I understood part of it without looking at the subtitles and I was, I think I was 16 and I was like, oh my days, I've peaked. Can't improve from this, I've peaked. <laughs> there's certain things also, if you can think in that language and you can speak that language, there's certain things that don't translate well, right? So you have an insight into a culture or an identity which other people don't. Even if you translate it, it's lost in translation. So do you feel like you're in a, in a point now where you can think in Spanish and you can think in Italian and you can think in other languages? Yeah, definitely. I lived in Florence on my year abroad for university and even when I was talking to my family on the phone in English, I'd find myself thinking in Italian about what I had to do in the day. And I remember wow. when I moved home, I really, really wanted a tuna and onion pizza because that's the only thing I lived on when I was in Florence. And I know it sounds gross, but it's so nice. And I made myself cry, sat in my room because I forgot the English word for tuna. And it got to the point that I'd been in Italy for so long that I was forgetting parts of my English. And then I came home and it was like... I Non capisco. It's a good dilemma to be in because it means that you're so fluent in a language and you're able to sustain that language skills for a long time. But then also when you spend time away, do you find that you're losing part of the language when you don't practice it? Or or do you find now because you're teaching it, you tend to uh, practice it far more than you would have done before? Well, I find that now that I'm teaching it, it gives me the opportunity to practice because then if a student asks me a question, like say if a student asks me, what's the past participle of haber? If I can't remember, then that tells me that that's also something that I need to go back and revise and practice. Because at the minute now, it just comes naturally. But when there's parts where the kids ask that they don't understand, if I don't explain it well, then that then gives me the opportunity to go and relearn it. Because yeah. a lot of people think that when you're tutoring, you have to be absolutely perfect in something and you can't make any mistakes and you become your own biggest critic. But part of being a teacher is always being a learner. I agree with that. And I think I'm in the exact same position with maths. Maths is very much technique based. If you don't practice, you forget. And I remember when I had to do my teacher training and we had to sit a maths exam before we can actually do a PGC and I was so terrified because I completely forgotten how to do percentages and fractions and just basic stuff right and and you have to really think quickly because it's multiple choice you've got um a, a short time frame and even though I had a master's in maths I had to go back and recap stuff and again when I'm teaching content if something that I haven't taught in a long time because I remember circle theorem I hadn't taught in years and the kid goes I would have learned this today and I was like oh and then I had to go, hold on a second, let me just quickly just recap this quickly in my head. And it was just a quick glance and I can then kind of make do with that. But then it gives me that glimpse into I need to go back and read that again properly after because the next lesson is going to be even more intense and we're just doing the basics today. <laughs> so it, it's a bit of that. And it's interesting how there's still similarities between the languages and maths and I'm assuming other subjects like science as well when it comes mm -hmm. to recapping content. So how does it work now? Are you still working intensely seven days a week? How do you fit in your uni so, work? 
I How don't do seven days a week. I do Monday to Friday. So that mm. Saturday and Sunday are for my studies and they are for kind of my wind down time. So with my uni work, I tend to do that late night when I finish work because with ADHD, it affects your circadian rhythm. So I don't have a normal sleeping pattern. <laughs> so for me, I'm working at my very best about one or two o'clock in the morning. That's when I get some of my best work done. So, this is why I feel I've got ADHD, even though I've not been diagnosed. Um, the more I talk to people who have got it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I completely. And we were talking mm-hmm. about dreams just before we came onto the podcast and the fact that I dream every night and I thought this was normal. And you also thought this was more normal yeah. <laughs> because we don't ever s- switch off. No, that's the thing is that I've started at the minute, especially with it being results week, I've started meditating, which is very, very difficult to do with ADHD because the way I've always described it is my brain is a beehive somebody shook it now the bees are all buzzing around angry and I can't get a moment's peace because my brain is just but I found a way that kind of relaxes me a little bit I have to have on whatever my favorite song is at the minute that I can meditate to so close your eyes and imagine a small five foot four female tired meditating to Stormzy it happens so sometimes my favorite song will be a song from the 60s it will be a classical piece it will be like post Malone and you'll just see me meditating while he's just happily rapping away and I'm like this is so relaxing this is fantastic and it's funny you say that because I struggle with working on a task for a, a certain length of time especially repetitive or things mm. that require me to sit down and just work through it which aren't really utilizing my brain to the fullest right I find that really difficult because I'm like oh, and then I like I flicker between tasks because I can't focus on one and what I've noticed recently and only recently like just like the other week is if I have the radio on full blast I say radio it's actually my phone connected to the radio so it's the same song and loop again and again and again and again on mm. full blast and I know the lyrics to it so I'm singing along I can get through the task (laughs) yes and I'll tell you why because with ADHD you need to have more than two senses engaged at any given time to be fully effective oh really me I'm listening to music and singing along to music whilst also engaging touch moving things around my room for example or I'm listening to music while I'm eating my tea that's two senses engaged while I watch tv or I can't focus on I can't can't have food without either audio or visuals. Exactly, because the thing is, is that because our minds are so active, so with ADHD, I think the name of the neurotransmitter, forgive me if this is incorrect pronunciation, norepinephrine, well, that's the neurotransmitter that drowns out background noise. So our minds can't settle because we can't drown out that background noise. We hear absolutely everything. I can hear my neighbors having a conversation while the dogs are barking. And it can be really stressful. So I need to engage more than two senses at one time to stop being overwhelmed by one sense. That makes so much sense. Like I've never spoken to anyone that's been able to describe it that way. But that basically explains a lot of things for me. (laughs) Like it explains a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is why I get so into my science workshops. Because they're hands-on, I'm moving about, I'm talking to the kids. And I don't get the same sense from when I'm teaching on a screen why I now write and draw at the same time as teaching yeah and I find that second camera on my hands just makes me a lot more focused in what I'm doing 
it's so interesting that you say that because I've never thought about it like that I like I've figured out little ways that work for me but mm. I didn't realize it was two senses but even is, just la- last night like when I was sitting down to eat dinner I was like audio visuals which one which one which one like I had to either be on clubhouse while I'm eating or have something on screen mm-hmm. and I and I I tend to go more for screen when I'm eating I don't know why but I need to see something while I'm eating if that's um, engaging two senses at once you've got to watch it but you've also got to listen to it so that's the thing is that it sounds silly next time you do literally anything observe how many of your senses you're getting involved in that action when I'm teaching I have to listen to the student I have to watch the student it's just like watching tv my hands have to be busy so even if it's something as simple as like playing with washi tape or i've got an app on my phone so that my phone can't distract me called forest where i'll set so long and then it'll grow a tree if i don't touch my phone which helps me stay focused or i've got a fidget toy which is a bit hypocritical because i say to the kids look if you're neurotypical try to avoid using this because it's becoming a distraction for you Whereas with the neurodiverse kids, we're just there with our fidget spinners like, I know you can't pay attention. You know I can't pay attention. We both know why we're here. You've got to engage two or more senses at any given time for your brain to function like a neurotypical. That's so fascinating. And I've never really thought about it like that. So do you intentionally now recognize that and make sure that when you're doing a task throughout the day, whether it's just getting up and showering to like eating, cooking, whatever it is, do you ensure that you're engaging two senses? Is that like a deliberate thing that you do? Yes. However, it's three if I'm in the shower because I get very, very stressed out with water on my face. So showers terrify me. So I have to be listening to music whilst watching the music video on my phone and then bring like something. So I've got like a, a pink loofah that I can play with that I get to touch. That's that's the three senses. Sometimes if I can't find that because that's what it needs replacing, I'll just be there with a sad polo in my mouth. Like, But I need to have three senses involved to get over any uncomfortable sensations. And sometimes that, un- that uncomfortable sensation can be tackling a task that I'm not quite mentally prepared to do. I've understood now why when I'm driving, I gotta have the radio on. I cannot drive without any audio, whether that's someone talking to me or whether it is a radio. I've tried it. When I have the radio off, I panic. I panic. I panic. I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. I can't drive. I have to pull up. It gets so stressful. (laughs) It is. And like in my driving lessons, I say to my driving instructor, I say, because I've been good because I have the radio on. And he's like, you know, you won't be allowed this in your test. I'm like, I know you tell me every time. And he's like, all right, we'll compromise. I'll put on the Shania Twain CD. And that I can drive perfectly because that's hearing the touch of the steering wheel vision on the road. Could you not sing to yourself? I try, but I get embarrassed giving a little concert on the A500. It's interesting how like things like driving tests and things like that don't cater. Mm-hmm. For... They're not designed for the neurodiverse. Yeah. One thing that really grinds my gears is that if you don't declare that you have ADHD and you're on medication, you then lose your license because it is an addictive substance. It's a prohibited substance when it's just something that's designed to help someone live a normal day-to-day life. Because neurotypicals have abused it, that then disadvantages neurodiverse. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, so if you were on does... Adderall and you were caught driving without declaring that to the DVLA, say goodbye to your license because that's driving under the influence. But it's needed for someone that is neurodiverse, right? Which is why you've got to declare it. So so what's your typical day like then? What time do you get up? Because you've just said you're a night owl like me. Oh, so I want to see how similar great. we are. 
This is really interesting. So what time do you get up? Quarter to eight. Okay, that's quite early. <laughs> that's too early for me. I average uh, five hours sleep. I have five hours sleep, but I tend to get to bed after three. And then I'll be in bed for a, a long time and I won't get up until I need to. But mm. yeah, normally I say after three, but uh, recently it's been four, five, six a.m. in the morning sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I really have to drain myself out so my brain just stops for a little while so I can doze off. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like when I stay with my boyfriend, Charlie, if I stay at his house, he goes to sleep so easily, so early, but I can't even go to sleep without some form of audio input. So he has to sit and watch TikTok so I can fall asleep no matter how tired he is. And I'll wake up in the morning and I always wake up before him and I still feel as tired as I did the night before because my mind's been awake all night and I'll look at him just there sleeping peacefully and I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. You snore so happily. So you get up at quarter to eight in the morning. So when's your typical first session or like when do you start work? When do you start doing stuff? Nine. I start teaching at nine, but on a Saturday and a Sunday, if I wake up early, I just kind of sit on TikTok. And TikTok's so addictive, right? It you can really just scroll is. through it. It's becoming a problem. I, yeah, Clubhouse is a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of teaching, how many hours do you do? When do you have lunch? Well, you've said that you skip lunch. What's your typical day like? Let's have a look at the day in the life of Chloe. Um, like, So at the minute, it varies because it's the summer holidays, but we'll pretend it's just main term time. So from 9am until 9pm, I'll have on average in that 12 hour period, I'll have maybe nine lessons and that leaves me a break for my university lectures in the day. In that time between lessons, so I take five minutes between every lesson to get a little snack, get a drink, nip to the loo. So I do teach quite a lot in a day. It's better when the UK kids are at school because that's usually when I fit in the international students. I'm trying to think, what do I do in a day? I don't do anything. I'm a very boring person. So I'll usually wake up at about quarter to eight, spend 15 minutes on my phone, kind of getting used to being awake, go downstairs, consider having breakfast, then remember that I don't like having breakfast, go upstairs and eat the emergency Doritos that I always keep under my bed. Um, that's a habit from uni, from sharing a house with people. Whenever anything went wrong, it was like, someone get me emergency Doritos. So I'll teach from, at the minute, we'll say it's a Monday, from 9 until 12 I'll teach. 12 until 1 is kind of a little chill time because most people are having lunch then. 2 until 4 then I'm teaching finish at four. If Charlie's working early, I'll talk to Charlie because he's not long home from work and probably chill on the PlayStation for a bit because that's how I have to wind down because then that way I'm getting my touch with the controller, viewing with the telly, listening to the zombies make weird loud noises. And then I will probably go to sleep at about two, three o'clock in the morning, depending on what time my favorite streamer ends his stream. So that seems like a, a, a intense day. Do you find that you get drained out by having so many lessons back to back because they are online and from my experience they require a lot of energy when they're online far more than in person. So do you find that that is a big issue especially when you're not having huge amounts of sleep and then dreaming all night <laughs> so you don't feel like you've rested? How Honestly, do you kind of keep up with the amount of energy that you need? It, it can be difficult. Uh, I, I don't like admitting that it can be really difficult because I do struggle, especially when I'm due my B12 injection. It's like an injected energy drink. So when I'm running low on that, I'm just exhausted and the kids could kind of tell that I'm less excited. But 
I make sure that at the start of the day I at least have a cup of tea because then the caffeine just goes straight in and then about two hours later that starts wearing off so it'll be another cup of tea. So the kids are always seeing the happy, excited version. They don't ever see the tired version because if I look tired, they won't want to learn because they will Mm. feel tired. They will think if she does not want to feel awake for her subject, why should I? I kind of weaponize my ADHD into a hyperactivity machine so that the kids are constantly getting this excited, boisterous, happy person. And then the parents will come over and they'll be like, hi, how are you doing, love? And I'm like, I need sleep. (laughs) And then the kid's like, did you say you need to sleep? And I'm like, nah, who sleeps? Who sleeps? And then at the end of the day, when I'm done teaching, I'm, I'm like, do, do I have a nap or do I wait and have an early night? And the early night never comes. I'm exactly the same. I'm like, I'm exhausted by around 9, 10. I'm like, there's going to be an early night. And then I don't know what happens because it's 3 a.m. before I know it. And I'm wide exactly. awake. Exactly. <laughs> so I always fall asleep on the couch. And then my family wake me up. They're like, Chloe, go to bed. You're clearly exhausted. And I'll go to bed. Why does the tiredness not translate from the couch to the bed how yeah. am i having the best sleep of my life down there and i come up here and i'm alert i'm a live alert awake enthusiastic that happens so much like there's been those really hot days which completely exhaust me out because the heat seems to just drain the energy out of me and i'll just like lie down for a little while and i'll doze off and i'm like okay let me just go to bed and lie down and then it doesn't happen it just mm-hmm. doesn't happen i don't know what it is and i've thought about permanently making the sofa my bed at times <laughs> but I haven't but maybe I should do that yeah it shows I yeah I didn't realize that this was shared like my kind of way of living was shared by someone else I think it's quite nice the more I do these podcasts the more I recognize that there's so many other people that have got aspects of my personality or the way that I do things or my vision and it's so nice to connect with people And I think because I'm now online and I'm doing the interviews online, I have a much greater chance of connecting with people that I'm similar with. And it's so exciting. It's like, oh my God, there's a version of me. (laughs) And and it's nice. And I think you've, um, because you've been diagnosed officially and then you know, you've you've obviously been given tools and techniques to kind of help you with that. While I've not, and it's been so difficult trying to, I've always thought of myself, why can't I do what other people do? Like, why can't I sit down and work for three, four hours in a row? Like, why, why do I have to have like 50 tabs open and have to flicker through them? Because I remember stuff and it has to be done there and then, otherwise it'll be gone. And I've never understood why, like I've tried to enforce other people's way of working. Mm, it just doesn't work it it? makes me makes me miserable and I just can't I can't do it and I tried the whole 5 a.m thing I didn't get before 7 a.m like it just was not gonna happen and I've always gone like why isn't it working and the more than I've embraced the way that I work and the way that I function it just feels right and it fits in nicely but then you you get days where your brain just doesn't settle on anything Mm -hmm. and you're you're struggling to to even just sit and do anything right (laughs) people don't realize adhd and anxiety they braid themselves together very easily because especially if you have a strong work ethic or you're a perfectionist and you're worried that you can never actually reach the potential that you have set for yourself so you will overwork yourself you will then punish yourself for this situation that's out of your control Like when I first set up CMD tutoring, I had in my head how these worksheets would look, but I am not an artist. 
So I created them to the best of my ability and I looked at them and I was like, these are never good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're not good enough at this. You're not good enough at that. And then there's the other part of the brain that's like, ignore him. Just have a little sleep. It's okay. Just sleep. So you've kind of got that argument constantly in your head that's like, you haven't done this right. You need to do this better. And then the other part that's like, you know what? At least you've done it. Go to bed. This is why I think having a business coach is so, so important because I didn't for a long time when I first set up. And then when I did and someone gives you permission to say, no, that's good enough. Move on now. (laughs) Like you're just holding yourself back. You just need to go and, and do it. Right. And just having someone like that. And I've had loads of business coaches and mentors throughout the years. And it's been such a big, big support just having another person to just give you permission because sometimes you don't give yourself enough permission and that's been really powerful for me and that's something that I would highly recommend for other people to to get someone that doesn't necessarily have to understand your neurodiversity but just understands that you have your your, your own way of doing things mm. and recognizes your potential but knows when enough is enough and you've got to move on to something else I think it's enough people don't need to understand the ins and outs because I've never been diagnosed so I don't really I think people I've worked with have not known that I potentially have ADHD but they've recognized something and they've said yeah you're overworking you need to take a break or like you need to just stop there and and focus on this or I had one business coach and and I got excited about a new business idea and he was like no you got enough businesses just focus (laughs) I was like, but I can't. It's like, just he's like, no, no, you gotta focus. <laughs> and just like, there were other things he said, which I was like, eh, it's never gonna work for me. But him actually bringing me back into like, you've got enough on your plate, and he was right about that aspect. But the way he wanted me to focus was not gonna work. Like, there, there's ways, right? And sometimes you know, and sometimes you get really frustrated when people keep telling you the same thing over and over again. You're like, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> Yeah. And they think you're just being stubborn, right? <laughs> you're like, but it doesn't work. Like, oh, um, you just swallow your pride. And you're like, do you not think I've tried this? Yeah. I don't have pride. I want to stop. I want to do what I'm doing properly. I cannot. Yeah. And I, and I think it's recognizing where your limits are and giving yourself permission, um, having the right people around you so they don't make you feel like you're a terrible person because you just can't do the things that they can so easily um and and vice versa because you'll have powers where you can do stuff and they can't do so easily (laughs) so I think it works in roundabouts but yeah I think you're doing a fantastic job and your enthusiasm and your energy and we had a great chat just before the podcast started and you shared a lot of stuff with me and it's given me so much more kind of uh, respect for you because I know we've spoken on Facebook and we've spoken on Messenger and and things like that but We've never spoken over video chat before and I've never really heard your story and hearing the amount of things that you're dealing with and that you're still a student and running a business and doing so well and uh, you've got a lot of potential and this is what makes me so excited like through the UK Educators Facebook group I've met so many different people and they all have so much potential and this is what I wanted to do create a community of people that can support each other and kind of um, push each other to do better when I was your age when I started there was nothing like well Facebook was just about like in its infancy and there weren't these kind of groups 
exactly Facebook was in its infancy. <laughs> Your face then. You've lived with it, right? Pixo. I remember like the first social media I ever had was Pixo and Bebo talking to my crush on MSN after school. And it I was MySpace the... back in the day, but I don't think I ever had MySpace. But it was I had MySpace. Talk about it. My yeah, first friend was Tom. <laughs> I don't remember. But yeah, th- yeah, there wasn't this kind of support structure. And I think it's amazing what the internet is able to do. But at the same time, it's about focusing on what you can do rather than diluting yourself so thin on so many different groups and things. But it's been a pleasure to have you here and to interview y- you. And um, I'm really excited to see where you go. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to me ramble. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business. Now, if you did, please remember to do me a favor and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. If you fancy becoming a member of the Champions Club or would like to attend a learning workshop or maybe even the business and cultural retreat in Marrakesh, then visit the website ukeducators.com where you'll find lots of information. You can also join our Facebook community at UK Educators. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Educators community podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release another episode.